Dig a Bit, a podcast for women who want to dig into the meat of God's Word for a bit. We are glad you have taken a few minutes out of your day to listen. Our host is Cindy Colley from thecolleyhouse.org. Now grab your Bible and let's dig in. Good morning. I hope you're digging deep into our study of commandment number six. I wanted to take just a minute this morning to talk about the assignment that is in question number two, where you were asked to read one of a choice of articles from the Apologetics Press website. The one that I chose is, Did God Order the Killing of Babies? And so for this dig a bit, I just wanted to give an example of how you might number your points as you were reading, take notes and number your points and be able to defend the holiness, the love, the complete goodness of a God who in the Old Testament could actually instruct his people Israel to destroy, to wipe out, to kill whole populations of people. So how does that work? How can God be good and holy and righteous and command the extermination of whole populations, nations of people in the Old Testament times? Well, so the article that I chose, and I just did this kind of randomly. I didn't look at it before. I just said, okay, that's the one I'm picking. And I went to read it. It was a rather short article. Did God order the killing of babies? Well, I took some notes. And the first thing that the author did there was to introduce, give us some examples of God destroying entire populations in the Old Testament. And he actually did that. And I wrote down those texts, 1 Samuel 15 and Joshua 6, verse 17. And then the author said, somehow we have to reconcile that God's justice, his wrath, that is his anger and his love, all dovetail together to make the perfect being that we know as God. And then he gave some points that were very interesting. He said the irony is that those people who point out that God destroyed whole populations in the Old Testament are generally atheists. They're trying to make the point that he can't be God, that there is no God, that God can't be God if he is a God that will destroy whole nations of innocent people, including children. It's interesting and ironic that the fact that they can see that there exists objective evil, they're saying that everyone in every time era knows that it is wrong to kill populations of people, including children. The very fact that they are conceding that there exists objective evil is is a concession that there's a God who did frame absolute truth famous evolutionists, famous atheists have made statements. If there is no God, then there is no possible way to frame good and evil. He gave the example of Sartre. He was the French philosopher, and he said, everything is indeed permitted if God does not exist nor are we provided with any values or commands that could legitimize our behavior. So the atheist and the agnostic have no platform on which to stand to make any moral judgments except from their own personal 
I guess I'm going to say their own personal preferences. What they would like to say is right or wrong. They don't have a right to, to point to anything as being wrong if there doesn't exist a God who made absolute truth. So there is a great irony in what they are saying when they decry, when they disclaim that there can be a supreme moral being. There's a great irony in their declamation of God while they are impugning his moral judgment. How could there be a moral judgment anyway if there is not a supreme moral being? And so then he outlined two truths that are very important to understand. First of all, nations were destroyed for a reason, and that reason was wickedness. He gave several passages, Deuteronomy 9, 14. Deuteronomy 18, 9 to 12, Leviticus 18, 9 to 24, and some other passages that follow that passage. Nations were destroyed for a reason, and it was because of wickedness. It was a punishment to those nations. Secondly, he pointed out that children who were being handled by an omniscient God children in those situations were being ushered to the arms of God. They were being brought to paradise, thus avoiding the horrible neglect. I mean, these, are, these were pagan nations that were sacrificing children to idols. So God was bringing them through this destruction into the safety of and bliss of paradise and out of a very violent situation in which they would have to grow up in a very wicked, wicked culture. And then he mentioned by implication that there are people who would like to accept Christianity and reject the God of the Old Testament. I'll take the God of the New Testament. I'll take the now God but I am going to completely reject the God of the Old Testament who was able to destroy these populations. Well, that's not possible. It's not possible to take the God of the New Testament without taking the God of the Old Testament because Christ defended Old Testament ethics and he gave several passages in which Christ did defend the ethics of God in the Old Testament. Luke 13, 1 to 9, Luke 12, verse 5, Luke 17, 21 to 32, Luke 10, verse 12, and Hebrews 10, verses 26 to 31. So in conclusion, from this article that I read, if I were standing up in a debate to debate an atheist who believed that God cannot be good as we claim him to be, as the Bible claims him to be, thus the Bible cannot be his word, since he was able to destroy entire populations, including innocent children in the Old Testament. So my points would be, first of all, the irony of atheism. The fact that they are pointing out that there could be a moral problem with anything is ironically 
in juxtaposition to their view that there is no God because anything is okay if there is no God. They are conceding that there exists objective evil. They're making a concession that there is a God who framed absolute truth if they're saying that anything can be morally wrong. And then the two immutable truths. Nations were destroyed because of wickedness. There was a reason. And children who were destroyed were taken to paradise. Number three, one who rails against God's Old Testament judgment can't accept Christ. You can't have it both ways. Our God is a God whose basic character is unchanging, and you can't have the God of the New Testament without taking the God of the Old Testament. And then fourth, and this is one that I I guess I just added, but God's omnipresence, His omniscience, His complete, infinite perfection in justice makes Him a being that can supersede our thinking about those killings in the Old Testament. I mean, I'm telling you, God gets it right. Now, can I decide like Hitler did that I want to wipe out a whole ethnicity? Can I do that as a man? No, I cannot do that. I cannot do that because I'm not God. But God is the creator. And it seems to me that just in the same way that our God has the right to create and ordain and set the limits around genetics, the creation of people, just in the same way that he, by the very nature of who he is, has the right to do that, then he has the right to also determine destruction of life. I don't have the right to do that, but he, in his perfection of holiness, his infinite justice and his righteousness will get it right. I said this to a friend the other day, and I'm going to continue to maintain this. We cannot accept that our God was able to raise Jesus Christ from the dead, never to die again. We cannot accept the fact that he is able to do that without ascribing to him all power. Christianity, of course, rises, stands, or falls on the resurrection of Christ. We know that, 1 Corinthians 15. If he didn't rise from the dead, then our faith is vain. But he did rise from the dead. If we accept Christianity at all, we must accept that our God is the powerful one who was able to raise Jesus Christ from the dead. If we ascribe him that power then we have to ascribe him all moral, religious, ethical authority. God gets it right. It's just a matter of consistency. When we want to be Christians and we accept the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we give God in our minds the authority to to reign over life itself 
And thus we can go back to the Old Testament and we can know that if God instructed because of wickedness his people Israel to rain down his punishment, that is God was punishing wickedness through the people of Israel. And by the way, he did that against the people of Israel as well when he allowed them to be destroyed and taken into captivity by other nations as a punishment. When God did those things, he did them because he is supremely moral. He did it because he is supremely just, supremely holy, supremely righteous. And we, as mere men, look to the resurrection, have faith in it, and say, yes, our God is in charge of life and death and when he decides that he is going to punish through a nation people who are extremely wicked he gets it right every single time i hope that this has been helpful i just wanted to throw out there one example of taking an article and being able to defend a point from the ideas presented in the article i hope you're having a great study and a great day